Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, thanks for joining me today. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. Real quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Now. You're about to hear my conversation with Ifatu Melifanwu, who's currently a professional football safety with the Detroit Lions. Ify played college football at Syracuse, and he was drafted by the Lions in the third round of the 2021 NFL Draft. During the show, we chat about his journey from college to the NFL, and we also spend some time discussing the Lions' recent success during the 2022 season. Are you ready? All right, listen in. Hey, Ify, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you here inside the huddle with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me, by the way. Of course. Of course. I know we've been talking for quite some time about having you on the show, so I'm glad that we were able to chat today. Are you ready to move the ball? Yeah, no, I'm definitely ready to move the ball. All right. So as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about, well, what's the best way to kick off the conversation? And there were a few different places that I could go with our show today. But as I was thinking about this, I I figure since we recently ended the 2022 NFL season, let's start there. While the Lions didn't quite make the playoffs, still an incredible journey for you all, for sure. So you all started off the season one and six, and then had a mid-season turnaround, winning eight of the next 10 games, finishing the season nine and eight, which is, you know, great improvement from the last season. And something I really love about this and that ties into the move ball theme is it's not about how you start. It's about the journey and how you finish. So when you look back at the season, I mean, you and your teammates have so much to be proud of. And for those that might not know, this was the Lions first winning season since uh, 2017. So definitely a great run. When you look back at the team's performance, what is it that you really attribute to the turnaround and the team's continued success during the second part of the season? I mean, just looking back at the season, it was like, it honestly, it felt like two different seasons in one from when we were one and six. And then, you know, when we won eight of the last 10, I would say there was a lot of things that kind of, you know, contributed to it. I can't really just, you know, picture one. I think like middle of the season, we started putting more pads on and like hitting and being more physical. And then also like we made some changes like defensively scheme wise and then also we had a players only meeting as well that kind of like like everyone was just honest and aired out everything and like i feel like we hashed it out and we was on the same page from there from when we were one and six so i think a lot of those things like contributed to the turnaround and you bring up something that i think is important and you said that you guys really hashed out what the issues were or had open dialogue. And I think that's so important when you have a culture where you feel like you can bring your honest assessment of things that are going on and really talk through those things for the betterment of the team, whether that's on the football field or in the business setting. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like you never really hear of those type of meetings 
like having those meetings and then it going badly after. I, I feel like those meetings always help and there's always like change and improvement that comes from those type of meetings. Absolutely. And it, it was definitely exciting to see you all this year. And after almost every win, you would hear from me saying congratulations on the job. I try not to do it every week because I didn't want you to be like, okay, Jen, like stop texting me. But it was definitely fun to see and, and just to celebrate the team's progress. Now, you know, I'm from Chicago and the NFC North is definitely a division that I pay a little extra attention to. This past season, you all won five out of six divisional games, and it's always an extra great feeling to beat out the other teams in your division. Tell us about what it was like winning these games in particular. It was good. Obviously, I feel like we all know that we should have went undefeated and we, we left the game out there. And, you know, the first time we played the Vikings, we lost in the last, I would say, I want to say under two minutes. So like that one, like we had that one and, it, and we let it slip away. So like can't really blame anyone but ourselves, but, you know, five and one was good, but we, we know that we could have been six and oh, and that's, you know, the goal for next year. For sure. And of course, the last game of the regular season was a divisional game. You all knocked out Green Bay and not only knocked out them in terms of beating them, but you knocked them out of playoff contention as well. And the Packers have historically been one of those teams that have dominated. And it's always a great feeling to beat them for any team. And what was the team's mindset and focus training up for that game? And were you doing anything differently? Because there was a lot on the line still for Green Bay in that game. I wouldn't say we, we was doing anything differently. I feel like maybe the intensity turned up because it was like, you know, going into that game, we could have been in playoffs depending if the Rams beat the Seahawks. So like, like it was a primetime game. It was a playoff game for us. That's what we were talking about all week. You know, we weren't really worried about the outcome of, you know, the Rams Seahawks game because regardless, we was playing for a winning record and we was playing to, to knock Green Bay out and just to win another divisional game. So, we were just highly motivated. Obviously, you want to win every game. And it was just extra motivation because we had the potential to go to playoffs and for a winning record and to knock somebody out of the playoffs who's, historic, like you said, historically been the leader of that division. And I mean, it was a great way to end the season for you all. Obviously, didn't quite make the playoffs, but still so much to be proud of. And when you look back on that season, for you personally, what are you most proud of this season? Me personally, I feel like I'm most proud of like my resilience and, you know, persistence. You know, I had a couple injuries like early on. So for the first, I don't know, I want to say like seven, six, seven games, I wasn't really, I wasn't out there because I was injured. And then I was also, my position was switched in training camp. So I was at safety and, and not corner. So it was like, I feel like this whole year I was just battling to get, get back. And at the same time I was battling to get back on the field, I was in the midst of learning a new position and playing a position I've never played before. And I ended up getting the chance to, you know, start two games and play well. So I feel like that that's what I was most proud of. And let's talk about that for a minute, because sometimes in life, there are environments that require us to change our position and do things differently than what we had originally planned. So when you were told that you were going to be switched to the safety position instead of corner, what was that like? For, how did you feel about it? And what did you do so that you could be ready to excel at this new position? It was honestly a hard decision. It was a hard, like, it was hard to kind of hear because it was, you know, I played corner my whole life. And obviously that's what I played last year and started at last year, a number of games. It was hard. It was a hard decision, but I, it was just like, it was just one of them things, like the more you can do, the better. And obviously, like, if they believe I can do that, then 
you know, they see something in me that they think allows me to play uh, safety coming from corner. So, um, yeah, I, it was a hard thing to hear at first, you know, but I, I guess I just had to do it. And I've had a number of people on the show who have played longer than the league average in the NFL. And a common thing they talk about is being able to bring value to the team. So it's really about being, you know, adaptable and flexible and versatile. And if you need to switch positions, then that's what you do so that you can help the team as a whole to continue to be better and hopefully win games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, You just got to find a way that you can bring value and be a value to your, you know, the organization and your teammates. And that just helps prolong your career. And you mentioned being injured early in the season. Mentally, it can be difficult to deal with an injury. How was your mental state during that time and throughout your recovery? Um, I feel like for any injury, there's always highs and lows, especially like, you know, just wanting to be out there and seeing your team play and and not being able to travel and everything. So, I mean, there's highs and lows. you got to have, you know, things or people that you, um, you know, count on to, you know, take your mind off it, whether it's like your, your faith, your religion or your friends or your family or even some of your teammates. And you've been injured when you were at Syracuse as well. So having battled that at the collegiate level, did that help you in terms of mentally dealing with it at the NFL level? I guess in a sense, because it was kind of just like, I know how I could come back from it. And it's not like, a, you know, a serious injury. And I kind of knew already the timetable I would, I would take to come back. So, I, I mean, I guess in that sense, it helped. But, you know, injuries are never really good. Yeah, for sure. You never want to deal with them, but it's really about just bouncing back and recovering and then, you know, being the, the comeback is, is stronger than the setback, right? Yeah, for sure. So let's go way, way back. And you're from Massachusetts. Tell us a little bit about how did you get into football? What about the game made you fall in love with it? I started at when I was like seven years old. And, you know, I have older siblings. I have three older brothers and an older sister. And, you know, they all played. So it was just kind of a thing, like I wanted to follow in their footsteps. I wanted to do what they did. And then, you know, after the first year I played, I loved it. I was good. I was uh, I was a running back, actually. And I, I don't know, just from that first year, like, I just loved it. And I always continued to play. And you've always been a standout athlete playing multiple sports, not only football, played basketball, ran track, played some lacrosse as well. What are some of the lessons that you've taken away from being a competitive athlete that have really prepared you to be successful as a professional football player outside of like the hard work, the discipline? Those things are things that everybody says. Something outside of that. I don't know. I just like just even playing different sports. It's just like, like you said, the competitive nature, like it just makes you, it drives you to want to be better and, you know, outcompete your opponent. And I just, I, just playing different sports. It's just, I would say what's common in all sports is just the camaraderie of just like no matter what team it was like in high school, like whether it was the football team or the basketball team or even lacrosse. The only one I would say was track because it's not really like a team. It's not completely like a team sport, but, you know, the camaraderie was always the same and just like you love and you miss that time in the locker room with with those guys and, and hanging out with those guys. And you mentioned that you have older brothers and an older sister that were athletic as well. How did they push you to continue to be better as an athlete and just as a person? I mean, as a person, obviously, they're just the older siblings. So they're always going to want the best for you. You know, you're always going to strive to be like them or be better than them. Athletically, in a sense, it's like you see your brothers doing something. You're going to want to do the same thing, if not better. You know, me being the youngest of them, like I would always like, always fighting to beat them in anything so like you know if they are faster you want to get faster if they did this 
you want to try to do that the next game. And it's just like, I feel like they were, they were hard on me because they were like, oh, we see the potential in you. And that if I could do this, then you could do it 10 times better. So I feel like that was good. And me helping me like grow up, like through sports and everything. Yeah, that, that played a big role. And you made me think of something. So my listeners know that I recently released my latest book called Dominate the Game. In that book, there's a chapter called Get Inside the Huddle. And I talk about this need to get in this huddle with people who have the it factor. And the it factor is really about those people that excel at their craft, that are good at their position, that are used to winning. So that way they can help level you up as well because they're at the top of their game. And so it sounds like you know, your older siblings play that role for you growing up, helping you to push you to become better. And obviously it's worked out well, only less than 1% of college football players get to make it to or high school football players get to make it to the NFL. So they helped you do something right. And obviously you're very talented as well. So that talent helped you get there, but it's really about the people that help push you. That is part of the journey. Yeah, definitely. Cause there's a lot of people who have the talent, but just don't have that the right, you know, support system or people around them. Like, like you said, pushing them to be greater and make it to the next level. For sure. And when you look at playing, I mean, you've been in the league for a few years now. I mentioned when I opened the show that you were drafted in the 2021 NFL draft. So you've played for a couple of seasons. Like what, when you look at your teammates as well as opponents who are really excelling in the NFL, what are the things that they do that really lead to their success? What they do is, you know, take practice seriously. Like, you know, treat it like a game. I know it sounds cliche, but treat it like a game. And then I would say, well, especially defensively, I can't really speak for the other side, but defensively, I feel like the dudes that are the best are the, like the smartest dudes or just the dudes that, you know, you don't even have to be the smartest, but football smart, the dudes that are watching the most film and, you know, can anticipate things based on formation and down and distance. I feel like those things help. Now, you played college football at Syracuse. Why did you decide to go to Syracuse? Syracuse, I, you know, I like the coaching staff uh, when I was getting recruited. They were, at the time, they were my, my best offer. I ended up getting Michigan, like, late, like, less than a week before signing day. Uh, by then, it was kind of too late. I was already set. You know, I had a relationship with the coaches, a relationship with my class that was going to Syracuse. So, yeah, those, those things ultimately helped me pick Syracuse. And you were a two-year starter there and decided to forego your final year of eligibility and enter the NFL draft. Why did you make that decision? Why then versus playing another year of college? You know, I had to think about it. The first year I started, I had a really good year. And then the second year, the second year I started, I had a really good year as well. And I didn't miss any games as well from injury. So uh, it just felt like for me, it was the right time for me to go. And, you know, I talked to different agents and kind of see like, heard what they were hearing from from scouts and everything so i feel like that helped and then and then at the same time too we our record we went i think we went one in ten that year that was a COVID year so it just felt like everything just felt like it was the right time for me to go ahead and declare sure and we've seen changes in college football since then with nil and all the structure around that how do you think that it's still TBD on how that will shake out since it's still in its early stages and its infancy. But how do you see NIL playing a factor now for people when they're deciding to come out? Do you think it's going to be uh, a significant thing that people will consider or not so much? Yeah, I feel like it is going to be a, a big thing because say if someone is getting a lot of NIL money and they're, like, they're one of the, the best on the team and getting a lot of NIL money, but they're projected 
round, if they come out early, it's like third, fourth, fifth, or something like that, or later rounds, they might decide to stay based off NIL money that they're making. So I feel like that could play a factor because some of the crazy, I'm hearing some crazy numbers and stuff on social media. I don't know if it's real or not, but I've heard some crazy numbers. So that would kind of incentivize guys to stay an extra year or two. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to see kind of the dynamic. And to your point, I mean, if you're having significant opportunities through NIL, then it makes more sense to stay in school if your draft stock is a, you know, a lower draft stock. And so you could be compensated nice where you're at. You're not taxing your body as much. And, you know, you could potentially finish your college degree too, if that's something that's important. So there's definitely different considerations nowadays with this new NIL position that the NCAA has taken versus when you were playing college ball. Yeah, I think more and more you'll see dudes decide to stay, especially, like I said, if they weren't projected to go aside. Right. So as you look back at your time at Syracuse, what was your most memorable experience being a part of the Orange football program? I would say a couple, actually. Um, 2017, when we beat Clemson, I was a redshirt, so I, I wasn't playing. But 2017, when we beat Clemson, was big. I would say my my breakout game, which was um, 2018 versus North Carolina at home, and we won in overtime, and I had played really well. I had four pass breakups. And then, but just overall, the 2018 season, you know, we went 10-3. and three. We went 10-3. and three. We went to a um, bowl game versus West Virginia, and we won. So no, that was that was a really good year, and that, that's what stands out to me. Uh, out of the other two, that's, that's what stands out to me. And as you look back on your journey, and I mean the transition from college football to the pro level can be an adjustment for some people. Um, now you had a brother, Obi, who also was drafted second round in the 2017 draft. So you've had some family that could give you perspectives on that transition. But how do you think that Syracuse prepared you for transitioning to the NFL? I think Syracuse prepared me. In terms of my position, my position group was very like competitive. And that's like, how it is in the league. Like we had a lot of dudes that could be starting at Syracuse that could be starting and you know had to make some position, like position had to get moved around. So it was just a constant competition. So that I guess that's prepared me because that's what it's like in the league. And then I, I feel like um probably like the last coach I had there, Coach West, he prepared me mentally and you know really helped me study, helped me, you know, get a bigger vision of what I'm seeing on the field and what to look for when I'm watching film. So I think that's helped me in the NFL. And as you transition, I mean, what was the biggest eye-opening experience going from college to pro? The business side, probably. Mm -hmm. That was probably the biggest eye-opening thing, just the business side. Like, you know, it's a business going in, but it's just like, you know, when you, when you make, like in training camp, you make friends with someone and you're, you're with someone for, you know, three, four weeks straight. And then, you know, at the end of it, they get released or you just, you know, you see a guy come in one day and then he's gone like two days later. So that was the biggest eye opening, just the business side of it. For sure. And I mean, it is, I mean, you can have people that are great at the position, but they don't have a need. And so, you know, they get traded or released. And so it's very different than college football. It's different than the normal corporate world where people don't usually come for a couple of days and then they're gone unless they like violate a policy or something. But usually when people get hired on, they're there, right? They're, yeah. It's a little bit known that they're going to be around for, for quite some time. So it's a different dynamic mm-hmm. for sure. Since you did have your brother who had played, in the league as well. Did he say anything to you or kind of help guide you as you were looking to make your transition? I mean, he told me about that business aspect of it, you know, but it's just being 
it's just seeing it is different than hearing about it. And, you know, he told me that the mental of it goes up because everyone there is athletic. Everyone there was best in the college. So I feel like the mental side of it goes up and just be ready to know, you know, know all the positions on the defense. It's going to help you. Even if you're only playing corner, it's going to help you, you know, see everything better. And because it is so competitive, I mean, it's an interesting dynamic because you're with teammates who want you to succeed so that you can win the game. But at the same time, you guys are also competing for spots on the roster too. And so as you look at you know, the lines and also just across the league of people that you know that are playing on different teams, have you found that your teammates are very supportive in your growth and development? Or do you feel like that they hold back a little bit because there's that competition at play? No, luckily I haven't had that experience. I can't speak for like a lot of guys around the league. I don't know how it is in some other spots. And maybe like if you're a super high draft pick, maybe an older guy might feel some type of way. But for Detroit and, you know, my position group, it was never like that. Everyone wanted to see everyone else succeed. And everyone was happy when someone succeeded and, and helped them and gave them information or like, oh, how to do this technique better or what to watch for. We never really had that atmosphere of like, you know, people like felt some type of way or didn't want to help each other and weren't so supportive. So I would say luckily I didn't have that kind of situation. And that's good. And I mean, just to translate that to the outside of the football context, I was just thinking about this because uh, my listeners know that I do a lot of things, but one of those is I also deal with real estate. And so the real estate business is also very competitive and can be cutthroat depending on where you're at. And so you'll have people that don't want to see you succeed or don't want to help you because they view you as that competition and you're not all in a team to when even though you're still in the same office, mm-hmm. not everybody wants to help you develop. So it's just an interesting dynamic versus the traditional corporate environment where everyone comes together as a cohesive team for the betterment of the company. So I, I analyze dynamics a lot. And so it's just interesting to see how different organizations run. Yeah, no, it is. But like I said, I'm just lucky. I'm, you know, I'm thankful that I never really had that kind of situation. That's definitely a good thing to have just supportive teammates that want to help you to continue to develop and grow. So you mentioned the 2021 year being a COVID year, you know, going into the draft, the combine took on a different form pro days. Like it was a, how was that for you just having to adjust to this interesting time that we were going through while the world was trying to figure out what was going on and People didn't know how to stay safe. Businesses were shutting down. Like, what was that experience for you getting ready for the draft in that environment? Yeah, getting ready for the draft in that environment, it was honestly, it wasn't bad. Like, it didn't really affect much. Like, being in Tampa training, obviously wear masks and stuff like that, but it didn't really affect too much. And it didn't, the only thing it really like affected, you know, we didn't, I didn't have a combine. But other than that, it was kind of like seamless. Like, we didn't have a combine. And oh, my, um, Pro day, we had to get there like four days in advance or four or five days in advance, like, which was kind of like, which I didn't like because we had to, we had to get there and stay in a hotel and stuff like that. But it wasn't ideal because ideally you want to, you want to go to your pro day on maybe like two days before. So you're still kind of like fresh on your techniques and everything. But like, other than that, it wasn't too much of a COVID. It wasn't too much of a deal when, when I was training for drafts and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely an interesting time just across the country, just not knowing what was going on. Now, 2020 was obviously a more chaotic year. People were starting to figure out, okay, how do we deal with this pandemic that we're going through? But definitely some adjusting for everyone during that 
time. So you mentioned training in Tampa. Um, you do your off-season training, did your pre-draft training down in, in Tampa with House of Athlete and Yo Murphy, shout out to Yo. Yo is definitely a great guy and and Javier Arenas as well. Javi was on the show as well as Joe was on the show in prior seasons too. So really think that those guys know what they're doing to help others to move the ball and dominate the game. As you are planning on doing your training down there for this offseason, what are some of the things that you're looking at focusing on getting better at? I would say just health and like maintenance kind of things. And just so I could, uh, God willing, complete the season healthy. And just working with Javier, just get a mix of, you know, corner techniques and agilities and stuff like that, corner drills and safety stuff and get, and I have a full off season kind of doing both. Gotcha. And as I know we're, we just ended the 2022 season, but as you look ahead for 2023, what excites you the most about your team and kind of just getting ready for another season? It's a few months out, but, but still, I mean, as you look ahead, what are you excited about? I'm excited to just play again and have a full season under my belt, God willing. and. You know, just the pick up where we left off last year and, you know, ending, you know, on a win and, and having a winning record, even though we was a one game away from playoffs. It's just like, we're, I feel like we're all excited to go back and just, you know, see where, you know, the program and the organization, and I think we're in the right direction. For sure. Definitely trending upward. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear more insights from you. I've got some other topics that I want to chat with you about. And then we'll also get into my two minute drill. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy-to-implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right. So now that we're back, let's get into the two-minute drill. I've got some fun questions that I want to ask you. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. The first question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Smart. I would say like goofy, like funny. and um. Kind of like level-headed. Okay. Three good words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I like anime. I watch a lot of anime. Okay. Next question is, would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion-dollar company and why? World champion of my sport because I feel like I'm just competitive in that way. And I feel like there's always a chance after to go into business, even though it might not be a billion-dollar company, but you can always go into business after. I feel like if you talk to a lot of guys and doing business or stuff, they still reminisce on the time they were playing their sport. For sure. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I just got the book Daily Stoic. I haven't started reading it yet. Okay. Do you know what it's about a little bit? Yeah. It's just like each day it has like 365 pages for each day. And it's just about um, quotes and insights about like just stoicism and how to, you know, control your emotions and things like that. Oh, nice. Sounds like a great book. Next question is, if you could have one song played in all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? If I was at the draft and I was I was getting, like, when I got drafted, I would have Finally Rich by Chief Keef coming on, like, when I walk on the stage. But now, that's so tough. It's hard to say because it's just like, you know, you have different moods for different songs. So I could not say right now. I gotcha. 
All right. My next question is, what would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? Real estate, like getting into real estate. That's something I, I want to do anyway. So. All right. Well, when you're ready for that, you come talk to me. We'll, okay. we'll talk more about real estate. All right. Next question is, you have 24 hours on a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? I'm going to London and then Nigeria because I'm Nigerian and I have family in both. Gotcha. Okay. And you had a brother that was born. Obi was born in London too, wasn't he? Obi was born in London. Yeah. Obi and my sister and my older brother was born there. So three of my siblings were born in London. Gotcha. London is my favorite city in the whole world. So I love going there. It's definitely a great, great place to be. Yeah. All right. The bonus question is M&M's, plain or peanut? Plain. Oh, no, no. Peanut, peanut, peanut. (laughs) Okay. You know, yeah, no, I had to think about that for a second. You know. <laughs> All right. So you, you talked about looking at business beyond football. Do you have any ideas outside of real estate? Are there any other things that you might be interested from a business venture standpoint? I will say real estate has been big. Like I've been thinking about real estate a lot. Other than real estate, I don't know. I would say, you know, I was an economics major. So I, I've always been kind of interested in like finance and doing being like a financial advisor or being a part of like a financial group or something like that. But right now I would say real estate. I gotcha. Okay. And you mentioned the draft and hearing your name called. What was it like for you when you did hear your name for the 2021 draft? Yeah, it was crazy. It's just like a mix of emotions. And, you know, I had all my family around. It was just, you know, like, I don't even know. I can't even describe it. It's just like all your hard work. You see all your hard work, you know, like years of work just coming to fruition. It's just like, it's just an amazing feeling. Oh, for sure. And as you know, I mean, the, the odds of getting called is very, it's a small number of people that get called, right, and into the, the draft. So congratulations and a testament to all the work that you've put in over the years. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. And any shout outs that you want to do on the show? So my family, of course, you know, was supporting me, you know, just my teammates this last season. It was a good year. You know, I'm glad the way it ended but I wish we made playoffs, but I'm still happy with how, you know, we, we won that last game and how we posted up. For sure. Definitely some some things to be proud of last season. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in the playoffs next season for sure. And I want to give a shout out since you mentioned your family. I'm going to give a shout out to your other brother, Nonzo. He's out there doing his thing and moving yeah. the ball. So big shout out to him. So as we look to end the show, let people know, where can they follow you on social media? Where are you at? Yeah, they could follow me on all social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. I'm not really on there like that, but at Ifatu underscore M-E-E-L. So at I-F-E-A-T-U underscore M-E-L. And we'll have those links in the show notes. And you, I have seen some of those TikTok videos, especially the, is it the Burger King? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I will have your, again, I'll have your links in the show notes so people can follow you on your journey. Congratulations on a great season, a wonderful journey. It's been to uh, just kind of see your success and looking forward to seeing your future success as you continue to move the ball in the league. Thanks so much for being on the show today. No, thank you. I appreciate it. I had fun. And thanks again to everyone for listening. If you like today's episode, please share it with someone else who you think would find the show to be of value. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And also be sure to follow the podcast if you are not already subscribed so that you never miss an episode. All right. Thank you to everyone again for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends too. 
Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.